We at uh, First EPC believe that the Bible is God's truth. All of it. The only infallible way of faith and practice. Uniquely and fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is God's Word. So we need to know what it says. We need to believe what it says. Scripture lesson this morning comes out of Nehemiah and out of Luke. Let me read first out of Nehemiah 18. It's in the English Standard Version, very much like your NIV. And then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then on that same theme of joy in Luke 10, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, we know the verse well. The angel said to them, those shepherds gathered on the hillside, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, truly open our hearts to receive your truth. May your Holy Spirit move among us and within us and transform us, change us, Lord. We all need changing just a little bit more into your likeness, into your image. Thank you, Lord, for that miracle which can take place any time. We encounter you and your Holy Spirit and your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, when we think of Christmas, at least the good sides, the happy sides, I know Christmas can be a real, a real piece of work for some folks. But for many of us, we think of the parties, and we think of the family, and we think of gatherings and carols and singings. And, and for most of us, there's that sense of happiness. There's that sense of joy about life, about the season, about family. And for the most part, that lifts us up. But we know that real joy, real joy like hope and peace and love, can be much more elusive we can have it one day and, and find it seemingly gone the next. And it's not only those in the world who, who have this problem, who, who seem to have this up and down feeling. I, I've seen people, and you have too probably, who belong to Christ, who are part of the church family, who profess faith in Jesus, who sing the songs of praises, looking like the Grinch. Maybe acting and sounding like Scrooge. Often too many stressed out, worn out, burnt out, joyed out Christians. What a testimony is that to the world we live in. And that can be you and me real easily if we're not very, very careful. There are others, maybe even among us, who are struggling with loss. Possibly loved ones or health, or a job. And for those, joy can seem far, 
far away. We have a fundamental need for joy in our life. Maybe if you translate that joy as I was translating it in the children's message, it's that presence of Jesus inside of us, then, then you recognize and realize that that's that void, that's that empty spot, that godless spot that God wants to fill. And so we have this fundamental need for God, for Jesus, for joy. Life without joy is, is certainly over, overwhelming and oppressive and overburdened. You know, there have been studies, tons of studies that have shown that the more joy we have in our life, the more productive we are. You believe that? That's true. Read an article some time ago in U.S. News and World Report that talked about corporations hiring, quote-unquote, joy consultants. Joy consultants. To build up the joy in their employees' lives so that they would be more productive, of course. Here's what one of those consultants actually promised. We will help you find the light within you so that you will have more joy, more confidence, and balance. Using evidence-based research in positive psychology, health coaching, and on and on and on and on and on. It's true. It's true you have more energy. It's true you are more productive when you're happy, when you have a little joy in your life. But these folks, these folks are looking for the right answers in all the wrong places. And they're making promises that they can never fulfill. Adrian Rogers, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a great Baptist preacher. He once said, Joy is the birthright of every child of God. The birthright of every child of God. Every child of God ought to have a conscious, conspicuous, continuous, and contagious joy. If you're not living a life of joy, you're living beneath your privilege as a Christian. Think about that. It's said in this time of the year, there are more suicides than any other season. There's more depression. There's more loneliness. And, and that's probably because we, we focus so much on family and gatherings and all those kinds of things. But how inconsistent that is with the gospel message. That gospel message that the angel declared joy to the world. Maybe part of our difficulty is in knowing that the jo- what the joy of God really is, what this joy that the angels w- were proclaiming really is. Nehemiah said it was our strength. It was our strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Jesus spoke of His joy in John's Gospel 15 and 11, referring to it as being in you. My joy in you, in us. As, as the Father has loved me, he said, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And then in verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. In his prayer in John 17, Jesus asked the Father that they, the disciples, and, and by extension, 
you and I, disciples of this day, might have the full measure of my joy, of the joy of Jesus within us, within us. Not, not, not where it can be eroded away or washed away by a little rain or, uh, or, or blown away by some, somebody who says some unkind words. No wonder then Peter would come along and he would refer to that same joy as an inexpressible, glorious joy. If you're like me, you tend to see, hear, and, and, and feel joy. Smiling faces, laughter, dancing figurines, you know, happy songs, the lights that glitter. All of that, the beautiful music, all of that tends to, to engender joy, engender happiness. But Jesus seems to be telling us there's something much, much better. He's telling us that His joy is so much richer, so much more consistent, so much stronger. His joy is not simply a matter of the senses. No, His joy is a matter of the heart. It's it's a matter of the soul. It comes from deep within, in a place where none of this other stuff can affect. The joy that is real joy is more than a superficial feeling, and thus it's more than the world can ever give us. Why even look? The joy that, that God gives comes from within, and, it, and it's that inner joy, a deep sense of well-being, the happiness that transcends everything else, all the circumstances. Could it be that's why we can know this sense of joy, His sense of joy, in times of pain? and hurt. Could it be that, that that's why we can, we can know His joy even in the midst of a world that, that often rejects Him and ridicules us? You know, on this, this third Sunday of Advent, as we reflect upon and anticipate the coming of our Lord, as we light the candle of joy, we need to make sure we understand the source of joy, where it comes from, truly. To be able to separate the fake from the genuine, the temporary, as good as it feels, from the eternal. Truths that are not necessarily the same as the feelings we so often look to for joy. One of the first truths that, that we really need to refocus and focus on is that our joy isn't dependent upon circumstances. It isn't dependent upon what's going on around us or how we look or how we feel. Real joy, the joy the angels proclaimed, is a gift. Not something we muster up. It's a gift from God. A gift that God gives to every believer in all of its completeness, all of its fullness, bubbling up and running over, as as I said this morning. You see, the, the joy of the Lord that Nehemiah knew was based, based not on how Nehemiah felt, nor on how the people of, of God felt at that time. It was based on how God felt. The people of Jerusalem were grieving because of their guilt before God. They were weeping as they heard the Word of God read because all of a sudden they realized how great God is. And how merciful He has been 
You see, they had come back from exile. They had come back from, from being banned back into the promised land. And it was a mess. It was a shambles. And Nehemiah was trying to put the pieces back together again as, as best he could. And so they hadn't been hearing the reading of God's Word. They haven't been going to synagogue or temple. Temple was torn down. Nehemiah was about to get it built again. He was about putting walls back around the city of Jerusalem. That's what was going on in their life. They had forgotten God. And they had become a joyless people. And now all of a sudden, they started to realize truly how much God loved them. And how they had denied His love. And then Nehemiah just said to them very specifically, Do not grieve. Do not grieve. For God is rejoicing. God is rejoicing as you're turning to Him. As your heart is being broken over the reading of His Word. And His joy, His joy is your strength. God's joy in you God's joy in me, it, it transcends all the negatives of our world. Every one of them. And just think, just think how many times this book tells us to rejoice. I mean, over and over and over again in, in every way you can imagine. When, when Jesus came into the world way long time ago, the night was cold. The inn was full. The stable was far from comfortable. Politically, there was tyranny in the land. You got a Herod who's crazy man getting ready to pronounce the death of every child, every male child, two years and under. And we just get them all, that way we'll make sure we cover the bases. Romans ruling the land with a passionless grip. Not particularly a time that felt joyful. But God was happy. God was happy. God was so loving this joyless world that He was sending His only Son. We know the verse in John 3.16. The joy of God was over the earth and, and, and the, the angels couldn't help but, but sing about His glory. This reminds me of a plaque that Barbara and I once had. I don't know where it is. Probably packed away somewhere. We've, we've moved a few times too many and stuff are still in boxes. But it says that joy is not the absence of pain, but the presence of God. And it's a great word to remember. The good news of a great joy which will come to all people, that was so proclaimed on that hillside long ago in Bethlehem, was God's joy. It was God's joy. His presence in Jesus Christ coming into our world. God's joy is a gift. Therefore, to experience that joy, that joy of God, is simply to experience the gift, to experience Jesus. The angels declared, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus came into this world for you and, and for me. And He came that we might believe in Him, he came that we might know the joy of God. He came that we might have that deep inner, inner joy that's only possible in the presence of God. As I said, God's joy doesn't come from the outside. It, it, it comes from the inside. 
It isn't something we can earn. As I said, it isn't something that we can, we can deserve. It's not something that we conjure up. We can't take a pill and, and have joy. We, we can't find it in the psychiatrist's office. Sorry. It's given. It's a gift. And then it's received. It's received from God. Let me add one other thing. You and I can live in this blessing or we can suffer along in spite of the blessing. We have choices, lots of choices. Remember those Grinches and Scrooges. That can indeed be us. And sometimes we vacillate back and forth. We're Scroogey a little bit one day and a Grinchy the next day. And then maybe we come up with a little joy of Jesus the third day. We have a choice and a responsibility to allow the gift of joy in Jesus to take root in our life. Pray and draw near to God and His Word, as did Nehemiah. That's the source. Realize the vast love that God has for us and and the deep gulf of sin and failure. That has often been our response. Allow God's gift to swell in your heart and take away your sorrow and your guilt and and fill you with His strength, His Spirit, His joy. C.S. Lewis said it well, joy is the serious business of heaven. I like it. Serious business of heaven. And this Christmas, as, as you and I celebrate joy to the world, and, and we yearn for the happy times of the season, and, and we, we do and we should. Let's realize, though, that real joy is not found in the gifts. It's not found in the lights. It's not found in the songs. Real joy is not found in the absence of pain, but only in the presence of God. Only there. Let's remember the, that great joy that, that came to all people that night in Bethlehem long ago. Remember that He desires more than anything else to dwell in us and to make you and and to make me our joy full, complete. To give us hope and peace and love. What a gift. What a gift. John Piper describes our joy in Christ this way. He says, Joy in Christ is the deep good feelings in loving Him and believing Him. It's the echo of our emotions, our hearts, of experiencing Christ as precious and experiencing Christ as reliable. It's the deep good feelings of being attracted to Him for who He is and the deep good feelings of being confident in Him for what He will do. Is that your joy? Regardless of the raging turmoil on the outside, there's an inexpressible gift of joy on the inside. That in spite of the weakness, our weakness, our helplessness before so much that's in this world, that we have this gift of God, the exuberating warmth of His presence. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
We need to shout it this Christmas season. Really do. Sing it all year round. I love the Christmas music. We do sing it. Tell the world. Show the world, maybe. Show the world the joy of Christ that is within you. Joy to the world, indeed, the Lord 